Church, we are going to continue in our series today uh, that we've called uh, Seven Big Questions from God's Heart to Yours. John's Gospel, so that's in the New Testament, the, the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but in the first chapter, so John chapter 1. Well, today we're asking the question, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And this is the question that Jesus asked. But first, I want to take you back in time a little bit. I'm going to speak to something that's probably really, if you're kind of my age, give or take 10 years, this is going to make more sense to you. But 30 years ago, 30 years ago, there was a, a super band, U2, super popular globally. And the band U2, where they were just taking the world by storm in these massive stadium shows. You know, I was in my first year of Bible college and and uh, we skipped class to, to go see U2 play in, in Vancouver. And uh, I mean, these guys were unlike anything. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was OK. I, I know that there's a, a FPU instructor who's written a book about U2. So I think I'm on safe ground here talking about this today. And uh, but they were they were unlike anyone else because they had these sort of biblical themes in their music that, that we were kind of drawn to. Now, U2 started as a as a group of kids in gritty Dublin, Ireland, uh, with three of the four guys having been part of a Christian youth group. And through the years, they've left their fans guessing as to the intensity or sincerity of their Christian commitment. But they've written enough songs of spiritual content to leave most of us convinced that at least a couple of them are are still Christ followers. On their 1987 uh, album record, vinyl record, I used to collect vinyl records. Some of you um, remember what those were. Um, They had us guessing with a song called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Now, for the evangelicals among us, it seemed like they may have sort of abandoned their faith because they, they sang this. They, you know, Bono sings, I believe in the kingdom come when all the colors will bleed into one. Uh, you know, I uh, kind of goes on. He says, but yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds. You loosed the chains. Carried the cross. All my shame. You know I believe it. You know I believe it. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, we would say that Jesus is the answer to every big question of life. But Bono raised a perplexing dilemma. Can you have Jesus, the answer to every question, and yet still have unanswered questions? It... Is it possible, if you've found Jesus, to still not have found what you're looking for? Well, maybe. Maybe, because it depends on what you were hoping to find in Jesus. And so, we're going to meet two of Jesus' first followers, Andrew and an unnamed friend of his, because Jesus asked them the very question I think Jesus would ask Bono of you two, or you or me today, and that is, what are you looking for? What do you seek? What, what, what do you want? And so that's where we're going to turn to John chapter 1. Really, I've put up there verses 35 to 42, but I think I'm going to start just a few uh, verses earlier. And I'm going to invite you to stand, Dr. Joe, our habit here as we stand for the reading of God's Word. And so, uh, as you are able, we invite you to stand I'm going to just push it back to verse 29 of John chapter 1. Uh, 
John's been we, we, we've met John the Baptist already. We see that he's been preaching. He's been baptizing out in the wilderness. And verse 29 says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. And I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify he is the chosen one of God. Now, verse 35, this is where our passage for today. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's disciples, uh, John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, verse 39. He said, It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Let's be seated together. We're thankful to the Lord for his word today. Well, what can we say about Andrew and his friend? His friend's probably a guy named John or James. We have these two brothers, Andrew and Simon and James and John. They're all fishermen and they're good friends, probably best friends. And so uh, we get to see them throughout uh, the Gospels as, as really being together. So probably it's John or James. I, but I'm, I'm guessing on that. Um, but you've got these two men that were seeking truth. They were hungry for spiritual vitality, vitality, spiritual life. They'd responded to John the Baptist's message. Remember, John was was there to prepare people for the Messiah. He was he looked just like that, I'm sure. Um, I just love all the all the depictions of this guy. But we know he's a bit of a wild man out in the wilderness. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and, and, and they'd responded to his message of repentance and readiness as disciples of John's. It's possible that Andrew and his friend may have helped John with baptizing. They may have done some of the baptizing themselves. So these are these are these are good guys, and they trusted John, their mentor, implicitly. So when John pointed to Jesus and said, look, there's, there he is, the promised one, they, they immediately left John. I mean, they really wanted the real deal. And they re- represent some of us today, I would say, those of us who, who love the challenge of faith, who, 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 you know, these would be the kind of folks who, who just enjoy digging into a good Bible study. They, 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 they love getting the details and the background, the context and the, and the history of it all. And, and Andrew and his friend would, would have been like that. And some of you are like that. And they recognize Jesus as the next great teacher, the rabbi. And then they, they called him that. He said, rabbi, rabbi, where, 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 where are you staying? Can we see your place? 
You know, can, can we come to your teaching studio? Can, can we hang out in the courtyard and, and learn from you? We want to get it all. And, and I, I've been that guy. I like to learn stuff. I, I'd love for Jesus to teach me knowledge. I, I want to kind of figure it out. I admire educated people and education. And, and I can get easily enamored uh, with what they download to my brain. That's not a bad thing. I think it's worth investing in. Uh, in fact, uh, in, in 10 days, um, a, a group of 29 of us, mostly from Bethany, are going to Israel in large part because we want to go to these places. We're going to go to that spot and we want to see it for ourselves. And like, oh, that's what the Jordan looks like. And oh, this is what the streets were like. And we want to experience it because we want to like get that knowledge and experience. We want to fill up on that. But Jesus is so much more than academics. He does teach us. He, we're to take His yoke and learn from Him. His way of doing things. But it's learning for the purpose of life change. We're learning for the purpose of our own transformation. For the benefit of the world around us. You heard it this morning from Dr. Joe. You know, Transformation for the benefit of the cultures around us. For the world around us. Look, we've all met people with plenty of Bible answers. But then they don't practice love or generosity or kindness or mercy or forgiveness or, or, or honesty or compassion. Knowledge is not enough. Knowledge by itself is not enough. What really is great is a quick shift, at least in the text, a pretty quick shift that Andrew and his friend made. Because while they sought Jesus, the teacher, the rabbi, did not take long for them to acknowledge Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the one who got their heart. And I'm going to ask you three questions this morning to help us unpack the one big question that Jesus asked. The big question is, what are you looking for? What do you seek? What do you want? But I want to ask three questions to kind of, you know, fillet that question a little bit for us. And the first one would be this. Do you want a teacher or a savior? Do you want a teacher or a savior? Now, when you came to Christ, what did you come for, come for? Whether you were a, a child or whether you were an adult or somewhere in between, I'll bet you came for a savior. Someone explained to you that on our own, we're all sinners. We're all separated from God. That by putting our faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven of all our sin and made right in God's sight. And we'll have an eternal home prepared for us. And you're like, yes, I'm responding to that. I want to be saved. I think that's what you came for. And, and those things are true. And then maybe you learn that we're to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching and baptizing everywhere. And you're like, okay, that's good. I, I think I could be, you know, be a part of that. But somewhere along the way... Some of us, maybe many of us, I think me included at times in most churches, in fact, we embrace the teaching, go into all the world, make disciples, teaching them, and we kind of grabbed hold of that. We loved that. We focused on that, and we found the go part a little too much, kind of a big ask. It's good that there's other people that will go. It's good, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, Dr. Joe, and you just say, oh, it's great you went to Pakistan. That, that is great. Because then I didn't have to go. <laughs> right? but, but what if Jesus called you to go? As a nurse or a carpenter or a teacher or... Right? 
And so we need to remember that teaching by itself does not make disciples. Life to life makes disciples. And believing in Jesus without obeying Jesus isn't really what Jesus intended as your Savior. So what, you know, the question I would ask you is, what about you? Are are you like the two disciples who, Andrew and his friend, who saw Jesus as the, the great rabbi, the teacher? You want to get more Bible knowledge, you just love it, filling up on that. And that's fine. It's good, in fact. But if you stop there, look, if you stop only with knowledge, you become essentially irrelevant, largely irrelevant to the world around you. You become basically irrelevant. You'll know the answers for Sunday school class, but you won't live like the gospel really matters to the spiritually lost people around you. Because you have the knowledge, but it's not applied in living out in your life. I, this illustration might be a little clumsy for the point, but our family enjoys a show called Top Gear. Anybody else watch Top Gear? Okay. Love Top Gear. Okay, I love this show. Because um, these guys just drive all these incredibly like million dollar cars and they drive super fast or they go on all kinds of. So we've watched this show and we have learned about Ferraris and the Bugatti Veyron and the McLaren F1 and, and, and just, you know, the Bugatti Zonda. And we've learned about like cars that I never even heard of before. I'm like, God, that is a great car. How many Ferraris do you think I've driven in my life? Big fat zero. Oh, but I know about Ferraris. But I don't really know Ferrari. I have no personal relationship with a Ferrari. Now, if some of you want to introduce me to a Ferrari, I would be happy to build an acquaintance. Look, knowledge about something without a personal relationship has no bearing on your life. It changes my life nothing that I know about a Lamborghini. It makes no difference. But if I own one, right? Well, anyway, we won't go there. But look, if Jesus is only rabbi, if he's only teacher to you, you are not going to experience a life change, a transformation, and probably no joy or satisfaction in your, in your spiritual life, in your walk with him. You've got to have a relationship. So when Jesus asks, what are you looking for? He's, he's questioning just what kind of relationship do you want to have? Just it's all head knowledge? Or do you want to have a, a heart relationship with him a a personal interaction with him a a savior who can transform your life instead of just teacher if jesus is savior we live differently things like how we use our money and our time and our other resources that changes relationships have more meaning we don't live only for ourselves and only for the moment that the the two men andrew and his, his friends saw saw jesus as rabbi but But we discover they were really seeking the Messiah. They were really seeking a life-changing leader in their life. And what about you? Teacher or Savior? And when Jesus asked, what do you want? Their response, did you catch their response? Verse 38, Jesus looked around, saw them falling. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? That doesn't sound to me like they're answering the question. That's a strange response to me. But it, it's a, it was their way of saying, we want to hear what you have to say. We want to 
kind of get into your teaching. And it's a very personal request, right? To, to get into someone's personal space, to get into someone's home is personal. It's intimate. It's kind of like kind of opening your heart up to somebody. If you invite me into your home, you're saying, I, I trust you and I welcome you to see what I'm really like. And so the question is this, will you get personal with Jesus? Will you get personal with Jesus? See, how do you feel about Jesus being in your business? Right? Being open, being transparent with him. Uh, if you ask me, oh, where do you live? I'd, I'd tell you. It's, it's on Bergen Avenue and in Fresno. And, and I might even invite you to see my home. i got a picture of it here. You know, up until last year, we, we each month we hosted a pastor's open house. The entire church was invited and, and a, a good number of you dropped in for a visit and wanted to see where, where Brian and Becky live. And you saw the yard and you, you, you saw the living room and the kitchen and maybe even the backyard. But, but I didn't take you upstairs. I didn't show you all the bedrooms. I didn't take you into my room. You didn't really see what it's really like when you're not there. You saw what it's like when, oh no, company's coming. Everybody on duty. Get the house cleaned up. Well, this half of the house, the top half doesn't matter, right? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Stuart. Stuart's rooms you should get. Right? Because that's kind of personal. That's kind of private, those other areas. But, well, to ask Jesus... Where are you staying? That was about getting up close and personal with him to get into his home. And they, they wanted to get into the life of Jesus. They, they, they wanted to be transformed. So you've got to be up close. I wonder if you're willing to do that. You know, you've heard me promote this thing here we call the R&R journal. Read and respond journal where you, you take a little bit of scripture every day. You, you, you read the passage. You write out a verse. And then you, you, you say, what is the Lord speaking to me through this verse? And, and, and what am I going to do about it? And you write that out. And you just make a practice of doing that day by day. And what you're doing is you're getting up close and personal. You're letting them speak to you. Next month, we're going to actually make a fresh printing of those journals available to you. And I just challenge you to say 2018 is the year that I'm I'm going to start a, a good pattern of, if you don't already, a pattern of, of devotional habit. I want to get up close and personal with Jesus in his word. Let him speak to me on a regular basis. There, there's a country song uh, by the band... We're all about the music today, apparently, but we're, there's a country song by, by the band Lady Antebellum that honestly gets me every time. I get choked up when I hear the song. You should get choked up at every country song because it's, you know, about your, you know, the song, what happens when you play a country song backwards, you get your dog back and you get your truck back and your wife comes home and anyway. Well, there's a song that gets me every time because it's got this verse in it where he sings, every day I drive by a little white church, little white crosses, like angels in the yard. Maybe I should stop in, say a prayer. Maybe talk to God like he is there. Oh, I know he's there. That line gets me every time. Do I talk to God like he's there? Or just like it's a formality? Maybe talk to God like he's there. Wow. When we ask the question, will you get personal with Jesus? It means living like he's actually there, like he's real. If Jesus is really the Lord, if he's really in charge of, of your finances, in charge of your schedule, in charge of your career and your relationships, you're saying, Jesus, where are you staying? Because I want to be there with you in all these subsets, these details of my life. 
But here's the hard, hard question. Can you adjust? Ask it of yourself. Write it down as, can I adjust? And now what do I mean by that? I mean, can you, can you change your expectations of the Christian life? Can you, can you embrace a modification of traditions and preferences? Can you, can you accept that the life to which Jesus calls you might be different than what you want or what you're comfortable with? What if the Lord is speaking to you, I have a, something different than what you've always done? Could you accept that adjustment? Could you be more concerned about what matters to Him and less concerned about what matters to you? Look, some of us don't do well if the pizza shows up and it's got the wrong topping on it. Right? Some of us get upset when we, we went to the store and it, it closed at 6.30 and we got there at 6.45 because we thought it was open until 7. And we're like, ugh, I'm so mad right now. Whoa. Whoa. If, if, if we can't handle the small upsets in life, what, what happens when we're asked to step out in a bigger way? Step out of our comfort zone. To, to make a sacrifice of time or money or be inconvenienced in some way for the cause of the kingdom, for the cause of the gospel. We've got to be willing to say, I am willing for the sake of the kingdom to make adjustments, adjustments small and big. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about and you've done it excellently. Andrew and his friend accepted that Jesus was much more than a teacher, which he was, but he is... Messiah, the promised one of God. And as a result, their lives changed dramatically and they made huge adjustments as they followed Jesus. And when Jesus asks, what are you looking for? I think we need to listen to that question honestly. I think about it, consider it genuinely. When you, were you looking for comfort? When you came to Jesus, were you looking for a, a life of pleasure? Did someone tell you, you know, when you come to Jesus, it's going to be a safe life. You're going to have protection all your days. Did, did you want a, a, a protected, you know, comfort club world with your friends? A safe space? Did you want to maintain traditions and, and the sentiment of, of warm fuzzies of a, of a religious life? Or could we be like the disciples who, who once they got personal with Jesus, they made massive adjustments to follow Him? What were you seeking from a relationship with Jesus? It's amazing how what mattered before may not matter now when you really come to Him. And so the challenge in in your week this week is, is this question. What are you looking for? What am I looking for in Jesus? In my relationship with Jesus, what am I actually wanting? So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I, these are those moments when you get to just pause for a moment and reflect. Jesus, what am I, where am I at today? If I was in Andrew's shoes or his friend's shoes, sandals, and, and Jesus turns around and he, he looks at me and he says, what do you want? 
What I see, I, I, I want to get up close and personal with you, Jesus. And I would just challenge us, church, as you're in quiet time this week, as you're thinking about things and those moments of reflection, to ask yourself, what do I actually want from Jesus? Would I make the adjustments necessary to follow Him? Would I, am I willing to get personal with Jesus? Am I looking for a, just a teacher or do I really want a Savior for my life? God, we, we bring our very selves to You this morning and we say we, we're learning how to trust You. And we want to trust You more and trust You more thoroughly in all areas of our life in our finances, in our careers, in our education, in our relationships. We want to be close and personal to You. We thank You for this episode that's been preserved for us in Your Word. We don't want to just know about it. We want to apply it in our own life. We ask that You would do that by Your Holy Spirit. We love You, Lord. We thank You for Your great presence today and for Your call in our life. We give you our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.